0: This is a disclaimer. Ben and I do not actually believe or support these conspiracy theories. Now, on to your regularly scheduled programming. Welcome back to Conspiracy Talk, the podcast that hasn't recorded in several months and is very, very not good at timing. I'm Jonathan. It. Yeah, we and are. And
1: I'm Mr. Ben Turner.
0: Benjamin B. Turner. All right. So, a lot has kind of happened in between the last episode and now. We kind of got caught up with all, like, the Christmas festivities and stuff. I had a lot of family come down. And um, as of today, we are recording Sunday, February 6th. And our last episode was published on December 19th. So, So it's nearly there. 13 days shy, but yes. So uh, all right, so
1: Valentine's Day themed episode. I'm kidding, we're not doing that.
0: Yeah, I agree,
1: we're not doing that. I'm sure there's conspiracies so, that involve love, but I'd rather not cover i I'd rather not do the conspiracy theory involving JFK and Marilyn row not Manson. Oh boy, that'd be. Interesting.
0: Ben, have you have you seen the movie Interstellar? I think we might have t- talked about this off camera.
1: No, I don't think we talked about Interstellar. But yeah, I've seen Interstellar.
0: Okay, so you know the scene in the movie, and this is a spoiler alert for um, a seven, no, an eight-year-old movie at this point. It's but there's think... a scene on board, I think it's 2014.
1: Okay, yeah, I'll take board.
0: But there's a scene on the Endurance, like I think halfway through the movie, where they're trying to decide to, whether or not to go to man's planet or wolf's planet. And, um, turns out Dr. Brand is in love with Dr. Wolf, so, um, she she has this entire monologue about how love can transcend time and gravity and different dimensions. It's a really weird thing. Check it out for yourself. It's strange. Anyway, so we should probably jump right in. I came here to
1: watch a sci-fi film, not a weird, awkward love film.
0: That's fair. I didn't come here to watch a rom-com. I, came I don't here think to watch, would be classified.
1: I came here to watch a movie that makes me question my life.
0: Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
1: Is that a quote? Did I just didn't really quote the film? I mean, not film, TV show?
0: No, it's that's the first thing it makes me think of, though. All right, let's jump right in to our first topic of the night. Ben, you came up with this one, so why don't you explain it a little bit?
1: You know those trees you have out in your front lawn or even the backyard? Yeah, those aren't real. Those aren't real trees. Everything you've known is a lie.
0: <laughs> okay, Ben, good job on that one. So we read an article by Quartz called, I plant trees for a living, but flat earthers tell me that they don't exist. Um, they have a paywall. Just reload the page to get around it. Master Hackerman here. That's how you do it. Precisely. So we're kind of doing podcasts in a different format now, so we don't sound like the audiobook version of a book. Well, yeah, that's obvious. But so we read the we read the articles beforehand, and then we write down what we find interesting. We give a little synopsis, and then we talk about what we find interesting.
1: So although this article the last, is
0: basically. Although in the last two articles, I think we did agree that we we may read directly from the source, right? To get it to not like get anything wrong, yeah, yeah. All right. So the court's article is essentially about how the. F- think that not only is the Earth flat, but the trees don't exist, and the trees of today are really just bushes compared to the 20-mile-high behemoths we used to have back on ancient Earth, is what it's called, apparently. So um, I think that's pretty strange, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. Although I have heard theories about, supposedly, before... Okay, i just let you know, I'm not a flat-earther. This just... The article reminded me of this one thing, how this theory that, like, with... How Earth used to be in the past, it might have been a point where certain animals and organisms could have been larger at one point in size. One, uh, interesting theory.
0: Yeah, like, if we if we look at what scientists think about, like, the Jurassic, the Mesozoic, and whatever other period there was, I can't remember the whole thing. It's been a long time since I've watched Dinosaur Train on PBS Kids. <laughs> um, the, there was... I read an article a while back that stated that oxygen supply was a lot bigger than it is on today's uh planet. So the animal species and plant species back then would get a lot bigger because they had increased access to oxygen. Mm-hmm. I read I I don't know where I read that. It it's been a long I think it was a book. Anyway, so um According to this article, and according to what these people think, trees do not exist. Not, not anymore. The ones we have today are, well, like I think, what's the what's the highest height of a tree today? I mean, you got redwoods. Those are pretty high. Yeah. And then,
2: how big do uh, trees in general get? I know pretty high as well, but. Okay,
0: so the tallest trees in the world are redwoods, which tower above the ground in California. This is an article from LiveScience.com. These trees can easily reach heights of 300 feet or more. Among the redwoods, a tree named Hyperion dwarfs them all. It was discovered in 2006 and was 379.7 feet tall, or 115.7 meters. So, if we take 379 feet, right? Right. 379 Point seven. We divide that by the 5,280 feet in a mile. We multiply that by 20. Okay, so that tree is just over 1% of what trees on ancient Earth are supposedly as tall as. According so, to... Uh, came up with this theory. Yeah, and this theory actually sprouted out of a video by, I don't know how to pronounce this, it's in Russian, but the translation translates to Man of Russia back in, what was what this, 2014, I think?
1: Uh, I I read through the article and then I just wrote down the original idea It came from a Crimean YouTuber
0: back in 2016. Okay, so it's 2016, Yeah. I looked at the video that the court's article has on it, and um, it comes up with an English dubbed version of the original Russian video, and it gives the it gives it gives credit to the original, who whose name translates to Man of Russia, at at least from what I can figure out. So this video, the original video, is no longer available. I'd like to point that out. The account has been terminated by YouTube for violating some sort of policy. So the original video is no longer out there, but you can find uh, videos debunking the theory, and you can find the video on the Quartz article, certainly, uh, which is the English dub version, which is almost an hour and 20 minutes long. So, I mean, if you have the time, definitely check it out, but I wouldn't suggest necessarily watching the whole thing. Unless you're into that sort of thing, I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Oh, well, I mainly find it interesting. I mean, I think I'm trying to remember how I first found out about this theory. I think I might have been just scrolling Reddit or something. And my voice cracked, oh boy. Um, but I like how they were talking about certain geological features that appear to look like Tree stumps, such as like Devil's Tower
0: in Arizona.
2: It's in Arizona? Mm -hmm.
1: Could have sworn that was like in northern United States. Or like northern Northern Midwest. Devil's Tower
0: Butte is in Arizona.
2: Huh. I feel dumb now.
0: It's alright. It's been a long week.
1: Yeah. wasn't it featured in a uh, Encounters of the Third Time?
0: It might have been, I don't remember. Or a similar. My head. Field. Yeah. No, Let's but other if... like like you said, there are geological features that like are supposedly supposed to be tree stumps, including Devil Towers Butte, which is what you said, the Giants Cause Salt Cliffs in Northern Ireland, and the Uluru in Australia so if we take a look at the Uluru of Australia right Uluru Mm -hmm. Australia it's um okay hold on it does resemble a tree stump but I don't I don't see I definitely don't see how that could be a tree stump
2: That's not at least
0: what I think of a tree stump as. So it's definitely strange.
1: Yeah. So they do bring up in the article that they believe it was wiped out by some sort of global catastrophic event, right? mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which to me, whenever, usually, when I think of global catastrophic event, you either think of the asteroid that... Killed up dinosaurs, or if you're more religious, you may think of flood myths, or even the Great Flood from the Bible. For sure.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm looking looking for... There have been massive deforestation in the last 200 years, between 1800 and 2010, more than 2 billion hectares of forest have been lost, and... Apparently that is some sort of proof for the ancient earth theory. Oh no, it's supposed to be against the ancient earth theory. Hmm. Got it. Like when I think of like large trees, I don't think of redwoods anymore. I think of the forest by bi- er the jungle biome in Minecraft. And those like the four the four block trees. With a giant canopy on top. That kind of looked like a giant mushroom. Okay, so we're definitely talking about like the jungle rainforest biome for Minecraft.
1: Yeah. One of the oldest Minecraft worlds. I have my PS4. I literally just... I remember that apparently one day I got bored with a house I had. So I moved to the nearest rainforest. Which was like a couple hundred blocks away. And just continuously added... added to the treehouse I made. And I'm thinking, if this was a real thing, this thing would not support itself and it would fall down immediately. Absolutely. And then another thing that went through my head after the cave update was like, hmm, I should probably add some
0: lightning rods because this thing's made out of wood. I actually haven't played Minecraft since probably 2020. Was it because you accidentally lost your account when you were trying to migrate it over to uh, a Microsoft oh, account? Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about doing that. Yeah. Let's see. Um, okay, so let's jump. If you're, if we're done with this topic, let's go ahead and jump in, unless you have anything to add.
1: I'm good. Yeah, let's move to the next. One. All right, so the next one's an interesting one. It's called Oil Pit Squid. Yes. And you may be, so and uh you may be wondering how we got this topic. Well um if you're thinking sounds familiar because some of you guys may have watched the Wendigoon conspiracy theory iceberg, yeah I got it from there.
0: Plagiarism, my favorite.
1: Yeah. So if Wendigoon, if you're listening to this, thank you. And uh Thank you again. Please please, please don't bring anything against us. <laughs> please, please don't hurt us. Listen to you, right. I listened to your MLK
0: conspiracy video yesterday. It was great. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Alright,
0: so to give a little summary of the oil pit squid, as its name suggests, it's a weird sighting of a tiny squid-like creature in oil. So apparently in 1996, workers cleaning out a, a pit of sludge in Anderson, Indiana... At a GMC plant, found weird little squid things that had gray and red skin and were about six to eight inches long. One was caught and put in a jar and was stored in the factory, but it disappeared before research was done, which that is the definition of a conspiracy theory. Disappears <laughs> before research and can be done and its existence can be proven. Yeah. And no more specimens were ever found. At Time
1: that they said it happened in the article in the uh cryptid wiki article said it was 1996 when they found it. Yeah. So and mutated then, earthworms, right? Yeah. And then one thing I will say is whenever I said hoax earlier because it was published in like so a tabloid did publish it, but I also saw a comment on the article, don't know if it's true or not, saying that uh well, I wrote down one person's comment saying that there is articles from before it was published in published in the tabloid.
0: All right. Yeah. So although, although about like the the earthworm thing. If you look at the cryptid wiki, if you look at the photo of the oil pit squid, it does look. It looks like a animal skull with bones, or like a bone coming out the front of it, and then earthworms for a tail. It does
1: kind of look like that. It also says art is rendering underneath it as well.
0: Yes, it does. But, like, I think that might be very accurate as to, like, some of the descriptions that were given.
1: Okay. That that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It, It looks scary. But, like, mutated earthworms, right? We talking, like, super mutant ninja turtle kind of mutation? Or are we talking, like, oh my gosh... I'm in extreme pain. Please kill me.
2: Hmm.
0: So So,
1: what are we talking about? Oh, look, fish. Oh, look, fish on land. And now I have to pay taxes. Is that how that works? I've heard people joke about it. go like, because of this guy crawling on land, I now have to pay taxes, or I now
0: have to, I don't know, fill in the blank for something you hate doing. So because that fish crawled on the land, now I have to drive on Kellogg to get to school. Isn't it life amazing? Driving on Kellogg? No. Yeah. I've seen videos, of I think on TikTok, it's where someone's cool. like, like the,
1: the creature finally crawls on the land. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then time travel's like, nope, whacks it, kills it.
0: Yeah, that... There's a lot of that going around on where this guy, he takes this Alexa and is like, oh my gosh, zombie apocalypse, presses like the, the summon button for Alexa, the ring turns blue, and then they turn into a puff of smoke in modern day and then come out as a puff of smoke in like dinosaur period. And they kill a T-Rex and then they go back and the zombie apocalypse solved. I think we can all agree that TikTok is weird.
1: There's some interesting videos on TikTok. Like, especially if you get into a weird niche group. Like, for me, I'll say this. I'm on Christian TikTok a lot. And I remember when I first got into it, you get, like, a lot of... The world's ending. It's like, what? And then... I don't know how good they're... Because... I think part of it is just people are like, where are we in the book of Revelation, and they're thinking they're like, okay, y- you can track it. I'm not exactly yeah. sure if the book. Is I know there's a lot of allusion of Old Testament in the in the Book of Revelation, stuff like that. I'm not a Bible scholar, so don't take me as an expert. And now that I think about that, uh, I retract all my statements I said about the book Enoch a couple months ago because I have lost. I mean not lost. I mean, I have no idea what my thoughts are now. There's some people like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in it and it's neat, and it's all, also other people like, no, it's nothing. It's like, okay, don't take my word on it.
0: Yeah, so especially with, like, I forget who it is. Um. Alright, so, oil pit squids, That that's, like, ridiculous. They found it swimming in a pool of antifreeze. If I could breathe antifreeze, I would never be cold.
1: That's true. I don't think that's
0: how that works, though.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a liquid, so... Emit,
0: uh... I, I saw, saw this one.
1: Directly from a solid. I saw this one picture. It was, like, of a Twitter thread, and someone put, like, Guys, life hack, put put antifreeze in your dog's water. It My... might... The water's not frozen. My dog's drinking from it. Then it shows two days later. Guys, I hate to say it, but my dog's dead. And they're not connecting the two together.
0: Was this on Twitter?
1: It, well, it was a picture I saw of a Twitter thread a couple of years back.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Twitter is very toxic at the moment. Yeah. It's always been like that. Speaking of Twitter, we
1: have one for the podcast. Follow it.
0: We also have an Instagram. So follow that as well. Yeah. Shamelessly plug our uh, social media here. Live on the air. I mean... Alright, let's move on. It's not like we're on someone else's podcast.
1: Like, oh yeah,
0: and... Subscribe to PewDiePie. Anyway... (laughs) Moving on to our next topic. Our next topic is called the disappearance of Frederick Valentech, and I don't think I'm saying that right because he was Australian. So imagine that with an Australian accent very poorly made and you've got his name. All right. So reading directly from the Wikipedia article as to get nothing wrong. Frederick Valentech was an Australian pilot who disappeared while on a 125 nautical mile or 232-kilometer training flight in a Cessna 182L light aircraft registered with the tail number VH-DSJ over the base straight on the evening of Saturday, October 21st, 1978. Described as a flying saucer enthusiast, which I feel like describes pretty much everyone in the UFO community, Twenty-one-year-old Valentic informed Melbourne Air Traffic Control that he was being accompanied by an aircraft about a thousand feet or three hundred meters above him, and that his engine had begun running roughly before finally reporting that it's not an, airqu- an, an aircraft. An aircraft. Yeah, let me let me let me speak in my Elmer Fudd voice for a moment.
1: Hold on a second, I got a hat for that.
0: All right, so there were belated reports of a UFO sighting in Australia on the night of the disappearance. However, the Associated Press reported that the Department of Transportation was skeptical a UFO was behind Valentik's disappearance, and that some of their officials speculated that Valentik became disoriented and saw his own lights reflected in the water or lights from a nearby island while flying upside down. Can you fly upside down in a Cessna 182?
1: I don't know. I know that... If I remember correctly, I were at my grandfather's birthday a couple of years back. He and a friend of his talked about how they attempted to do a loop in a plane once, and the plane stalled. They were able to get back under control, obviously. Otherwise, I may or may not be here, Parker. But... Actually, I don't know when the story Has Ben's
2: fades out of existence?
1: Mr. Stark, I don't feel so well.
0: Thanos snaps. So, I'm looking at pictures of a Cessna 182L right now. And, from the little I know about general aviation aircraft, I'm pretty sure that the pumps are toward the bottom of the wing in both fuel tanks. So, if you flew upside down, gravity would pull the fuel up towards the wings, and he would probably run out of fuel. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what would happen. Too late. Anyway, back to the article. He radioed Melbourne Air Traffic Control at 7.06 p.m. to report that an unidentified aircraft was following him at 4,500 feet. He was told that there was no known air traffic at that level, which should be the first indication that something is wrong. He said that the aircraft was orbiting above him and that it had a shiny metal surface with a green light on it, which that describes a lot of airliners especially uh, older ones like the Lockheed L-111, I think is the plane, that had chrome chrome engines. Uh, he reported that he was experiencing engine problems shortly after and was asked to identify the aircraft. Ballantik radioed it's not an aircraft. His transmission was then interrupted by an unidentified noise descri- being described as metallic scraping sounds before contact was lost. Okay, that makes me think that he crashed. Yeah. Like I I do a lot of aviation research outside of this. I watch air disasters religiously. Um so smaller what aircraft, mean, especially This doesn't mean you're on a watch list now, does it? Watching air disasters? Mm. it's a smithsonian it's a smithsonian tv show on paramount plus so like generally large well now it's standard but generally large airliners will have uh cockpit recording like cockpit voice recording boxes and flight data recorders which they're commonly referred to as fdrs or flight data recorders to my knowledge, a, a 1978 Cessna 182 wouldn't necessarily have that, unless the radio was still going when he was talking while he was talking to air traffic control when it happened.
2: Got yeah. it.
0: Okay, a sea and air rescue was undertaken that included ocean-going ship traffic. An RAAF Lockheed p 3 Orion aircraft, plus eight civilian aircraft. The search encompassed over 1,000 square miles. Search efforts ceased on the 25th of October, four days after the initial incident without result. Investigations into Valentik's disappearance by the Australian Department of Transportation were unable to determine the cause, but it was presumed fatal for Valentik. Five years after the aircraft went missing, an engine cowl flap was found washed ashore on Flinders Island, and in July of 1983, the Bureau of Air Safety Investigation asked the Royal Australian Navy Research Laboratory, uh, RANRL, about the likelihood that the cowl flap might have traveled to its ultimate position from the region where the aircraft disappeared. And the part has been an identified. The part has been identified as coming from a Cessna 182 between a large range of serial numbers, which included the Antics aircraft. It has been proposed that he staged his own disappearance, even taking into account a trip of between 30 and 45 minutes. Uh, The Cessna 182 still had enough fuel to fly 800 kilometers or 500 miles despite ideal conditions. At no time was the aircraft plotted on radar, casting doubts as to whether it was ever near Cape Otway.
2: Mm.
0: All right, so... Single-engine aircraft disappearances and accidents, they're pretty common compared to, like, large airliner disasters. And... I just, the metal scraping sound makes me think that he crashed. Yeah. Uh, further hey. down in the article under the segment called Proposed Explanation says, Another proposed explanation is that Valentik became disoriented and was flying upside down. If this were the case, the lights he saw were his own, reflected in the water then it would have crashed into the water. Okay. However, the model Cessna he was piloting could not have flown inverted for long as it has a gravity-fed fuel system, which means the motors that drive the fuel are in the bottom of the tanks. And And another possibility, suicide. However, interviews with doctors and colleagues knew him virtually eliminated this possibility. So... I don't think it was upside down. I mean, I don't think we've talked about this, but there's a video out there of this guy who claims, like, he was flying over the Bermuda Triangle and then was transported through a tunnel to, like, a, it was a location far, far away from where he was Be
1: Wasn't he, like, teleported Miami?
0: I think or... I think that's what it was, yeah. It sounds familiar. Yeah, but, like... The
2: metal scraping sounds that just that doesn't sit
0: right one one possibility I can think of is a military aircraft. like maybe he's getting too close to like a military installation, and mm. they viewed him as a threat. so they uh, took they took action against it. Yeah. But he should have gotten a warning. Yeah. Something something similar has happened like this before. I forget where it happened, but it was a passenger 747 that ended up getting shot down. Uh, it was before the turn of the century Uh, because they got too close to, like, military airspace. Hmm. We'll have to look that up for the future. Got it. So, a 2013 review of the radio transcripts and other data by astronomer and retired United States Air Force pilot James McGaha and the author Joe Nickel proposed that the inexperienced Valentich was deceived by the illusion of a tilted horizon, which he attempted to compensate and inadvertently put his aircraft into a downward so-called graveyard spiral. Okay, that makes sense. If he's spiraling down... That would make it seem as if the thing following him were orbiting. Mm. The G-forces of a tightening spiral would decrease fuel flow, resulting in the rough idling pr- pr- reported by Valentich. He may have also been stationary overhead lights that Valentich reported were probably the planets, Venus, Mars, and Mercury, along with the Bright Star and Teres which would have behaved in a consistent way with Valentich's description. Okay, for even further down into the article, UFOlogists have speculated that extraterrestrials either destroyed his aircraft or abducted him, asserting that some individuals reported seeing an erratically moving green light in the sky and that he was in a steep dive at the time.
2: Huh.
0: I don't know, I don't know. Like yeah. why would why would extraterrestrial beings have reason to destroy an inferior craft first of all unless he got close to discovering what they were doing? I don't understand it. I don't know. What are your thoughts
2: on this? I have no clue.
0: That's fair. It is kind of confusing. Yeah. All right, why don't you take over for the next one?
1: the oh, so next starts right with you. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, last topic we're going to cover this evening is the CIA, I mean, the CIA's heart attack gun. And yes, it is. It sounds exactly what it's named like. And this article is from historybestday.com. And it's written by Andre Tapalaga.
2: Is that how you think you pronounce John? John? Or... I think so. All right.
1: Oh, then there's a subheading saying, in reality, a lot more terrifying than it actually sounds. All right, so we're now at the beginning of the article. The Cold War had definitely presented itself at the highest amounts of stat, I and mean, backstage events, played mostly by the CIA and the KGB. KGB, in case you don't know, is the progression uh, equivalent of the CIA, I believe. Right.
2: I think that's correct. Okay.
1: I'm gonna look it up. Okay. Through my readings, well, not my readings, the author's readings of, class- of declassified CIA files, the author has presented various experiments that the CIA constituted, but never have really focused on information that was blightingly out of out in the open, such as top-secret weapon known as the hard tech gun. You can say that the gun looks like a toy at best, especially with the ridiculous scope. But from the descriptions of the American senator Frank Church, the weapon is is scary to say the least, even to today's standards. The weapon development, the CIA needed a weapon to take care of the targets on their blacklist without any sort of trace that would bring up suspic- suspicions in the media. One of the hot targets was Fidel Castro. I mean, he had a lot of assassination attempts on him when he was alive and none were successful. I mean, if they were, he'd probably be dead sooner than a couple years ago. Because, you know, he died recently with the last couple years. Um, Prime Minister of Q... yeah. Still talking about Fidel Castro Prime Minister of Cuba from 1959, 1976. Killing people from a distance was the go-to choice. But every bullet can be traced back. Getting too close to target would risk the agent being compromised. This is why the CIA gave the task of creating a new secret weapon to Mary Umbri. Umbry started working at CIA as ah, CIA a secretary in the audio surveillance department. With time, she, promoted, she got promoted to the technical services department where she was asked specifically to research a new poison that would induce a heart attack on its victims, but undetectable in a post-mortem ver- verification. technical team came up with a gun that would shoot poison projectiles that would dissolve inside the target and induce a heart attack, which would be undetectable upon a post-mortem. Umbria wasn't able to confirm if the gun was used to assassinate someone, but she did confirm that animals as well as prisoners were used to test a weapon. To explain the story, to explain the strange scope on top of the weapon, besides being a pistol, the gun had the ability to, to shot the poisoned projectile from 100, meter, 100 meters with good accuracy, hence the scope. You know what this
2: weapon is kind of reminding me of?
1: Jan? What? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, do you remember an episode of Mythbusters where they try testing out the myth of an ice bullet? I think so. Okay, yeah, because I don't know if this is based off of like something CIA tried to do, but like the idea of trying to make something that's not traceable. Since I think the idea with Mm -hmm. the ice bullet was they shoot someone with it and then hopefully it melts soon enough where there is no evidence. So I guess in sort of way it'd be similar to this let mass media frenzy leading to CIA regulations. Many people promoted this weapon in the early period of time that the media found out about it as using some sort of quote-unquote death ray to provoke a cardiac attack on its victims, making it sound as if it was out of the contemporary science fiction movies. The church committee was jumping out on every piece of evidence that was coming out of the CIA. This committee was selected by the U.S. Senate to investigate any sort of power abuse committed by CIA. In uh, 1975, they they gained a lot of support from American citizens around all stages who wanted to know more about what the CIA was doing from an untechnical point of view. Seeing that things were heating up by President Gerald Ford was forced to ban any tactics of targeted assassination conducted by the CIA and any other intelligence agencies. To calm down the mass media, Senator Frank Church wanted to present the secret weapon to the Church Committee once it got banned, and to clearly explain how it would be used. Once again, the committee asked if the weapon had been been used previously before its ban to assassinate anyone, to which they got a doubting no. What happened with the weapon after its presentation to the public is unknown, even to this day. At the time, it was said that the weapon would be handed to the U.S. military to keep it secure. Although banning a weapon should mean its destruction, there are no spec I mean there are speculations that the weapon remained in the hands of the CIA. Am I saying CIA weird? No. Okay. Sounds weird to me for some reason. For America, this was a massive blow as most of the information from this event had leaked to the KGB, showing not only the capabilities that the CIA had at the time, but also how spies from the KGB would influence the Western media towards more CIA regulations. Which may or may not have applied. And then Yeah, I think that's that's it of the article. So
0: what so what I find weird about this is we have a lot of people, like in media production, especially with YouTube, who try and recreate um like I forget what it's called. They try to recreate weapons, and one example I can think of is a guy named Integza, who tried recreating a rocket bullet. And I'm just I'm really surprised that no one has tried to recreate this yet.
1: I feel like it's kind of a complex thing to do, at least from my perspective, yeah. since I'm I'm not. I'm not going into rocket science like how you are.
0: That's fair. Yeah, I'm literally going into rocket science. It said that in my Twitter bio. Yeah. For those of you who happen to follow us on Twitter,
1: is our uh, Twitter accounts linked to the podcast Twitter? I don't think so. I know that in my bio and your bio, we have it where that, we're like, oh, hi, we're co-hosts. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. There's another thing that popped in my head. Well, another thing that went through my head while I was reading this, also back to the Wendigoon video that I watched or listened to yesterday, he was talking about how, uh, I think the CIA's CIA's director at the time, basically, I'm trying to remember how he said it, I think, apparently the CIA or the director or something would hire some people to do the dirty work to do certain things for a time, like maybe the mob or, yeah, stuff like that, mob, whatnot, people you could hire. Basically mercenaries, I guess, in sort of way, if you think about it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty scary to think about. Like, this was back in, what, 1960s, 1970s, 1980s? Yeah, I mean, that's during the Cold War. That's fair yeah all right well that's that's the end of the episode for for for, the, for those of you out there this this is a joke
1: this whole entire podcast is funny
0: We are a meme all right mm-hmm. well, that's the end of the episode so until the, until we meet again internet goodbye sign up